I've been all over town. Where's your Megadeth? Well, Sade's on sale. <sighs> Slayer? Testament? Metallica? Rod Stewart has a new album. T-shirts? Do you have any metal shirts? Hey, you're in the wrong place. Heavy Metal Unlimited has everything you want, and we know what you're talking about. We've got hundreds of import, independent, and domestic titles to choose from. Heavy Metal also has thousands of licensed concert tees in addition to picture discs, posters, and collectibles. We're easy to find on State Street Saginaw. The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Viewer discretion is advised. Entering final countdown phase. <laughs> Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Hello and welcome to Give Me Back My Rock and Roll. I am Steven, your co-host, and with me is my Viking counterpart, Charlie. Oh, yeah, man. Rock. I love it. I love this. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. <laughs> Me too. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good, man. I've been I've been amped for some reason. I've been listening to a lot of rock and roll lately, and I don't I know. know why. Me too. I know. Like there's something electric in the air, brother, and I am wanting to get to it. I've got a lot to say about rock and roll, and I know you do too, and I am stoked we have the first episode, and today is going to be a banger an episode and there's a special reason charlie why i wanted to do this so i'm going to turn it over to you i just want to say it's good to see you and talk to you absolutely man we need to hang out more we we live closer than my other two co-hosts on my other show so there's no reason we shouldn't be hanging out going hitting some rock shows here pretty soon get get our own joined stories for some of these episodes that we're going to be throwing out so, yeah, this is our very first episode of the inaugural Give Me Back My Rock and Roll. It is going to be a podcast that is just all about rock and things that, you know, invoke these feelings from back in the day when we were kids popping cassettes in and albums in and, you know, following our favorite, you know, bands, reading Metal Edge, just all this awesome stuff, man. So, yeah, this one we're starting out is going to be Steven's pick. Um, so we're going to alternate and it's going to be awesome. I get one after him. So their first episode is going to be on a band. I don't know all that. Well, I've listened to, I've, I've heard some of them, um, but not as much as I can tell you, Steven is, and we're doing clutch. You want to tell us a little bit about clutch, Steven? Absolutely. I do, Charlie. Now, <clears throat> before we get into talking about the album and everything, um, I want us to kind of follow the same format as your other shows and it be about what this album means to us. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I are always going to have like the same taste in music, 
So there's going to be stuff that I bring to the table or that you bring to the table and we've never heard. And I wanted to open this show with what I felt summarized rock and roll. Now, I'm going to get to this later. I'm going to talk about why I feel this album is the album to start with for me. Now, we'll talk about that when we get to the track listing and everything. But this album, let me give you a little bit of history on Clutch. I've got two patches sewn onto my battle vest here. Love Clutch. Got a hat, several t-shirts. I guess the reason I picked this album, because if you've never heard Clutch, this is the album I want to hand you and say, listen to this and then come back and we can discuss Clutch. Because everything else that they've done before and since, I feel like is kind of anchored to this. So like this is kind of like everything that they've done, um, you know, up to that point, And they've built off of it. But um, that's why I, I chose it. And, um, you know... I've listened to it very, very frequently. Clutch is on constant rotation on my playlist. Um, you know, this album has literally been out um, when this episode airs about eight years. And I think it's appropriate, you know, good timing, a good time to release, um, you know, so it's not necessarily planned for the anniversary um, because this album came out October 2nd, 2015. Um, so we are really close to that when this show airs, um, to the eighth anniversary. So nice. Just kind of playing. So what is your, um, what is your history with clutch? I'll talk about a little bit more later, um, yeah. stuff that I've had going on with the band or whatever. And, and, you know, I've seen them live and, and other stuff, but I wanted to know, um, your experience with clutch, what, they are to you as a band, you know, what, what do you think about? So you nailed it with them being one of those like unheard of, you know, not mainstream type, you know, rock bands. It's one of those things like when someone would mention, you'd be like, Oh yeah, clutch. I've heard people talk about them before. I've never actually popped in a CD and I want to say, this isn't planned or anything. I'm pretty sure you were the first one that told me about clutch back when we had first met and started talking regularly and hanging out. Um, Cause it's probably right about the time this album came out too, that we were uh, hanging out. But the one I remember the most of is I have a friend who actually lives in Japan. Her name's Helen. She was over here going to a dragon force concert that me and my buddy Ben were going to. Heck yeah. And you know, you know how it is at a rock show. You're waiting to go in, you're standing mm -hmm. outside, you're making friends. I make friends everywhere I go. Dude, and me too. Do you, we, do you wear a battle vest to shows and stuff? Like I, I have no idea why Ben and I never made battle vests. I think it's because we didn't start going early in our teens, you know, rural podunk, Virginia, but now, I know um, the people listening in can't see this, but I, I'm showing Charlie right now that in my office, I've got on a little table here where I'm doing repairs to my armor, um, to my battle vest. So um, I, th I think what we can do is we'll get some images of that popping up on the old Instagrams because we do have socials for all this. But yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm actually thinking something fun of maybe starting my battle vest for starting this show. Um, 
you know, because you're never too old to start a yes. battle vest. Yeah. Uh, Man, I so, started mine like uh, four years ago. And, yeah, see, you yeah, know, so, and I'm a little bit older, so, you know, there you go. And let me ask you, do you wear like the band shirts to the concerts? Oh, I don't wear the band I'm going to go see. I only did, I did that one time, and it's because they decided to make us wait outside, and a torrential downpour happened, and I was going to see Sabaton. Ben and I were soaked head to toe. I mean, drenched. The first thing we did, because we had VIP entrance. I mean, VIPs didn't get out of the rain. Went to the merch table. We both bought Sabaton t-shirts and wore Sabaton t-shirts at the show. But I was like, I got rained on. I, I That's that's my excuse for that. I usually try to find an obscure like shirt to wear at a show. Really? Okay. Well, I, I like it because then, like, if you're all, wear, if everyone going to a show wears the same shirt, it's obvious we're all fans. We're at the show. But if I show up at an Anthrax concert wearing an Amon Marth tour shirt, someone's going to be like, dude, Amon Marth, that's amazing. Or were you at that show? And I'll be like, yeah, I was at that show. In Cleveland. Isn't that why, though, you wear a battle vest? Because, like, you tag all the bands that you either like or you. You've battle seen. vests are different. I think battle vests is like wearing your medals. So, you know? okay. So if, you, if I have a battle vest on and I go to a clutch show, because I did, yeah. I wore a battle vest to a clutch show. I don't remember if I had a clutch shirt on. I have to look at a picture from the show, but like, is am I that like old dude? Like, no. I think battle like vests it, always are acceptable because it's you're, it's not like your whole battle vest is clutch. But what? Okay, <laughs> but what if I'm wearing a clutch shirt and I'm wearing a battle vest? It's like, a little questionable. I don't call people out for it. I just know that you know the the status quo is you don't wear the band shirt of the band you're gonna go see. Not to derail you, and I'm sorry oh, for that. We're good. No, but it's, your like experience said, with Clutch. Well, it just goes right back to Helen, and we were talking about bands we like. Obviously, talking about all the band shirts we're wearing, you know, talking about, oh, if you listen to this, she goes, have you ever heard the band Clutch? And I was like, I have. A friend of mine really, really enjoys that band. I said, but I have not actually listened except for maybe one or two, you know, songs. And she gave it like the hugest seal of approval. I mean, she literally flies overseas to go to metal and rock shows. So I'm going to listen to her. You know, I think she might know a little bit of what's going on in the community. Um, so, yeah, but it's still just you'll find as we go throughout this where our flavors of music is, you'll find where Charlie's heart truly lies. And that will be along the power metal type music and that's where i get lost that's where i love to curl up and be in my vehicle now listening to this to talk about clutch for the past two weeks um man it's been a trip it has been a trip man uh not what i expected at all yet everything i expected i know that sounds weird but i think that fits with this album psychic warfare do you think is... it's a good a good album now like, I didn't tell you why I wanted to start our journey together with this album. No, but you did. You just gave me an album. I did. And I said, I'll explain it. When we're doing the show, while we're doing the show, you'll find out. I hope from your perspective, before we get into talking about the album, which we're about to do, do you think you understand why I chose this album? I think I have an inkling 
but this is something that's going to be interesting as this show goes on. We were just talking about this before we started recording was when some, one of us has a history with an album and the other one has like two weeks, that's a huge, that's a wild dynamic that we get to play with here Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's going to be some that we both just love an album. We've listened to it forever. And, you know, we all know the same stuff, but when I get this one and I'm going, man, I know why he likes it, but I do have this question in the back of my head going, why is this his first pick? You know, I got, I got, I got a suspicion, but I think we'd rather hear it from you directly on why this one. Well, and I'm going to explain it, like I said, as we dig into the album, because I do think there's themes and things with this album that sum up what this show is about. Now, um, does that mean every song, everything on this album, note for note, does that sum up rock and roll? No, absolutely not. No, what I'm saying is the attitude of this album, the feel of this album, everything, like if I was to sum up rock and roll, and this is in my brain how my brain works. Charlie, you're an alien. You come from outer space. You come here and, you know, you're like, what is rock and roll? And I hand you this freaking album and say, this, my friend, is rock and roll because it has an element of everything in every genre and musical bending um, or genre bending musical influence all in one little package. And to me, this, this album's rock and roll. And there's something that's said in the album that uh, when we get to that point, I will, uh, I'll, I'll make it known. But um, I, I think that it kind of sums up my feeling about rock and roll this feeling of why I want to do this show. And, um, you know, I'm, I, that's it, man. Cool. Well, I say we jump right into it. What do you think? All right, let's do it. So, I want to give some facts here about Psychic Warfare. Now, this is the 11th album from Clutch. Again, this came out in 2015. So, October 2015, their 11th album. So, this band at this point, Charlie, knows everything about being on tour, being everything about being in the studio. I mean, most indie bands do not make it past two albums. Let's just be right. real. That's and, true. and 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 most indie bands, well, Clutch is probably the biggest unknown indie band in the world. Um, I mean, you've heard their music on The Walking Dead, you've heard it in video game commercials, you've heard it in all kinds of things, but did you know that was Clutch? You're like, oh, unless you really dug. You're, you know, hey, I like that song. What was that? I like it better than the commercial. Or, right. hey, what's that song on The Walking Dead? You know? So, anyway, when this album came out, it debuted at number one on the Top Rock Albums chart and number 11 on Billboard's Top 100, day one. Wow. 
That's, that's how. That's impressive, honestly. Yeah, I mean, dude, this ain't Metallica. This ain't the Rolling Stones. This ain't. I mean, how many people listening to this show right now? And 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 guys, I want your feedback. Go listen to this album, or tell us your experience with Clutch or this album. It, it, if you know anything about the band, say you know, I know somebody that loves them. I've never listened to them. Tell us. I I just want to know. But for them to have this is their eleventh album. It debuts at number one. Most people have never heard of them. It's incredible, man. Um, and they have like this fish Grateful Dead like following around tour, and it's wild. Um, but it fo- it features Neil Fallon on vocals. Um, and, and he does rhythm guitar. It's got Tim Salt, and he's their lead guitarist. Uh, it's got Dan Mains, and he's on bass. And then it's got my man, Jean-Paul Gaster, on drums. And, you know, they've had other musicians on other albums and stuff, but generally it's just a four-piece with these guys. Um, now, here's the thing I love about this album. It is essentially a story. And it's more or less a story. The whole album. It's not a concept album. Because like when I think of concept albums, I think of like The Who, Tommy, or like um, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Or you could even say Green Day, American Idiot. They're all concept albums. Uh, this isn't a concept album. This is Clutch telling us a story. And it's different, man. It's like one of those things like the whole album tells a story. It's not a concept. It's just them telling us a story through rock and roll, man. And if you listen to track one and you listen all the way through the end and you listen to the last song, Son of Virginia, there's some space at the end. And then there's a little blurb. And then if you have it on repeat, it's almost like it sinks up and goes right back into itself. And it's really, really cool. So, but Neil Fallon does the dialogue. Do you know who he said he based the di- the dialogue off of? I don't know, but I, I think it's a what you said earlier about some of the where some of the music's been played. The dude sounded like uh, Negan from The Walking Dead. Like I had to stop for a minute and go, did they really get? I forget what the actual actor's name is. I know it's like. <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, it I thought it was him for a moment. Like I was like, well, they got they got Negan to do this. Um, but no, I I have no idea. Yeah, that that voiceover, that like little blurb of dialogue. Hmm. That's Neil Fallon, the 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 lead singer, and he does it at the end in the little piece at the very very end of Son of Virginia. Yeah, he based it on Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive. Oh, nice. I can see that. I can so, see that. That is tie number one into your other show. Give me back my action movies. That is absolutely link number one. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I mean, I'm not joking. It is literally a tie into it. Um, and that might be the only one. Um, basically, man, I just used any excuse I could to tie anything to your other show. Just oh, that's fine. Yeah. I don't, you're not going to get an argument from me about buying in the other show. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Um, Loudwire. They said this about the album. They said in their review, if you haven't got on the clutch train yet, 
Psychic Warfare is the perfect place to board. Now, I didn't know that until I was looking up stuff about this album for the show. And I thought, well, heck, there you go. The perfect place to start. So not only does it encompass what I feel is rock and roll, but it's also a good place for the listeners, if you've never heard Clutch, to jump in and dig in. So, all right. The the title Psychic Warfare it comes directly from the track Psychic or from the directly from the track X-ray visions. Um, Neil, the lead singer, he says it's a tale about unnamed protagonist who is forced to seek refuge in a flophouse motel. He is hidden hiding from several nefarious psychic forces, the worst of which is his own sleep-deprived paranoia. Now, with that said, when this album first came out, and I listened to it from beginning to end, do you know what went through my head? I have no clue. Well, I'm, I want to ask you what went through your head before I tell you went through mine. So, the very first time I play through, all the way through, it's I'm just absorbing it all in. Like I, it took to like my second or third listen through to realize that it was very much a story, especially because it loops from the beginning and end so right. seamlessly because, you know, when you're streaming these things, if I could ever get apps to actually just play me a freaking album all the way through. Um, but once I figured out how to do that, I started noticing that there was, it, it was like a road movie, you know, like a journey that this guy's taking you know, just, uh, you know, a guy in a car experiencing all these things, you okay. know, at, you know, at, at, at a, at a moment of his life. And yeah, I mean, I did the same amount of research you did on that. So I've got a little bit of insight on some of the stuff that they were thinking when they wrote it. But as far as what I was thinking is I get lost more in the music than the meaning with a lot mm -hmm. of albums. Um, and this was one of those where I got lost in the music and then went back and went, well, what's this music mean? And I went, I got no freaking clue what this music <laughs> means, even after they explain it. Um, but no, right. uh, it's, it's definitely a different kind of vibe for most of, you know, my listening history. Songwriting is songwriting wise. I feel like they're on a totally different level, dude. Like, God, yes. I mean, like it's not normal stuff and it's because neil is a reader and not only are these guys like accomplished mu musicians i mean they are phenomenal musicians and if you have a chance to see clutch live do it just if you are a fan of music i don't care if you don't like rock and roll if you are a fan of music go watch these four guys play they will leave you feeling like you got your money's worth. And they're tickets, man. I mean, I'm let's be real. A clutch ticket is like 30 bucks or less. Yeah, my kind of shows now. Yeah, that's me too. But um this this album has 12 tracks and when I listened to it from beginning to end and I absorbed it the first time because I was familiar with clutch, so I knew what to expect music-wise. So when I I listened to it. I listened to it to absorb it for the content because I knew, and a lot of fans have a similar, I guess, 
uh, connection to bands like Tool, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean, if yeah. that connection that, that fans have. Well, with Clutch, that's how it is. And you've got to have an entry point somewhere, and this is a good entry point for you to get into Clutch. And now that you're like, okay, well, I see what's going on, you can kind of go backward or forward, and you're 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 going to see similar things and 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 everything. So when I right. first heard this album, I said, "Oh my God, Clutch just gave us the rock and roll version of the Odyssey." Period. Yeah. And as as we go through this, I'm going to throw some points out of the Odyssey. Um, that there's a couple of things that I think, and if you're a fan of film, and I know Charlie is, and I'm mainly talking to listeners, um, if you like the Coen Brothers movie, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, they did, their, that is a retelling, kind of reimagining of the same movie or the same story, The Odyssey. Um, so, and listening to this, there's some very fantastical things. So, um, Let's just start with track one, uh, the affidavit. To me, it does its job. It's just Neil coming in. It's got this like nice little intro to the album. I think it sets the tone. And it, it, like I, we've already said, if you have it on repeat, the end of the last track kind of leads right into this. And it's, it's, it's neat if you, if you do that. Um, but I think it's a good way to start this album because... It's like, here's your pad and pen, you know, tell us what you think. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's where it kind of, you know, you pop this in, you listen to it. And all of a sudden this dude's talking to you as if he's being interviewed or something, or, you know, he's having to give a statement almost. So it's Mm -hmm. the first time you do it again, not being a clutch, you know, listener, I was just like, Okay, interesting way to start. I've heard uh, albums start with a speaking part before. Right. Um, so I it didn't like throw me off, but this is also where we'll come through as we talk of this album more that sometimes albums need to be listened to multiple times to mm-hmm. really get it. That's the problem with a lot of music nowadays is we need we need a one hit wonder. We need one great song off that album, and that's gonna make us all the money but the true artists out there are the ones that take you on a journey. And because I said this album made me feel like this was a road movie. And then you throw the odyssey. It clicked everything in my brain right now. Like seriously. (laughs) Well, for those that are listening, like I literally, when I saw that, it's almost like I saw Charlie's face, put the pieces together. Like it was when yeah, it clicked. You, There's I, literally I a song on here that we'll get to in a little bit that mm-hmm. now makes a hundred percent sense. And I think I know which that. one you're yeah, talking about. Of course, you're going to know which one it is. Um, but everything else now lines up better. Where I'm like, man, I'm going to start bringing in the heat when I pick albums because you know it's just going to be like, well, it's a fun album. You know, you headbang to it, and Steven's over here going, no, man, you got to really get under the crust of this album I brought you today. It's going to be really, you know, you know cerebral is what's going to happen hey when i pitched this show to you brother i said we're going to digest and dissect rock and roll i love And you said all right man let's do it so i'm I'm, uh, I'm listen man i dig it like and 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 here's the thing if guys this is the last warning that the audience has before we go because this is literally track one and as soon as 
we're talking like only a few seconds before track two just cuts yeah. right in. And I'm talking, it comes in guns blazing and it is X-ray visions and it is a banging intro song to what will turn into this eclectic ride of rock and roll with Western vibes and mythology. And when you said it's like a road trip journey thing, it's almost like fear and loathing esque in a way. And like some of the lyrics to this album are freaking amazing. So this was the first single off of this album. Now, this is the first real piece of music. This is the first track. Charlie, I gotta know what you think of this song. This song immediately grabs you. I mean, there's it, it grabs you and doesn't let go. X-ray visions, when you first hear it for the very first time, you have absolutely no idea what's going on. But all you know is this, you, you can't help but, you know, bang your head to it. Get that adrenaline pumping through your body. My, you know, I took notes as I listened, and basically I have hard hitting out of the gate, hook and chorus grabs your attention. Why are we talking about Reagan and his wife at the end of the song? That's pretty much my mind thought as I'm going through this thing of, I love this song. What the hell is he talking about on my first listen? And it's just like, it makes you dig in though. It does. It makes you want to comprehend and digest and eat these lyrics up. Yeah. I mean that, and that's where I'm saying that it's a disservice if you only ever listen to this album one time. Now, Here's yeah. the thing, how the music starts, it's like, down, 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 down. I mean, it's just like this, this hard, bending, just bluesy metal riff with drums. And then the lyrics say, first thing that I did was buy a pack of smokes, check into a motel and consult my horoscope, sitting on the bed with a briefcase in my hands, patiently awaiting any word from high command. And then he just goes right into telekinetic dynamite, but he's telling a story. And I love how they do that with this because man, the song just freaking rocks. If you just don't pay attention to the lyrics, the song just jams. But next thing that I did was tap out Morris code with a wooden nickel on the receiver of the phone. Before I could complete it, I was quickly overtaken by the angry spirits of Ronald and Nancy Reagan. So like, and, and then like it goes through like the chorus again, and then it breaks down and then they're like, and on the drums, Gemini. And like, yeah, that, that and then, was wild to hear. They're doing like horoscopes of the bands when normally you hear like the band introduce themselves, you know, like you're at a concert, mm-hmm. let me welcome, you know, you know, whoever it is. And you're just like, you know, he even calls it, he goes like Scorpio whenever he yells right. his heart out. I'm like, right. It, it, it just, man, it's energy. It's pure energy. This first track mm-hmm. is just listen, straight energy. The, the last or the first line of the last verse, last thing I remember, I was crawling from the ruins. I don't know who's to blame for that, but I know who didn't do it. So he's like, I just crawled out of like this exploded building and he's like, I didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? And he says, 
with every day that passes, it keeps on getting stranger, but that doesn't really bother me because I get off on the danger. So he's just like, whatever, I'm going with the flow. He's just like, you don't know who this dude is as he's telling the story, mm-hmm. but it's so interesting and it's so freaking engaging that like, like you said, to digest the meaning in the lyrics, you kind of have to listen to the whole album and yes. take your own interpretation of the story. But that's the cool thing. He's vague enough to where you see it differently in your head than I see it. And that's right. the cool thing about this album. I, absolutely. But also they're good enough that if you just wanted to listen to this song, just for the music itself, it's a banging track. This track absolutely. is amazing. Like you could be like, I don't give a shit about the lyrics. I don't care what he's talking about, but geez, this thing is just ripping completely. And that was my first instance with this When That after the talking of the affidavit right into x-ray visions, I was just blown away. And I was, I was like, I'm here. I'm in for it now. Let's, let's keep going. Well, this song kind of goes and like musically, and, and I don't want to have to keep saying this. So hmm. if you're listening to this, listen to this album. This is an album with individually amazing tracks, but the songs blend together. So at the end of psychic or psychic warfare, at the end of X-ray visions, it kind of like sputters into firebirds. And then it's got this kind of like Western vibe. Like if you've ever seen like, California with Brad Pitt or natural born killers, like that trippy Western kind of like desert highway 66 vibe is what this album kind of feels like he's traveling down like that era area of the, the country or whatever. It's like 66, man. It's just like, well, yeah, straight across the country type thing. Well, he says at the opening of firebirds outside of needles, I nearly lost my mind. I pulled over on the shoulder um so then like but the chorus i love this because it kind of ties back to x-ray visions he says firebirds energy weapons (laughs) both of those things are interesting to me and i mean those are the lyrics he's like i don't care how you get them i need them both and i need them urgently so he's just like hey man i like fast car and i like laser and then he mentions outside of barstow later and this song is fast and it's furious and I feel like it's just this breakneck song that continues the story from X-Ray Visions a little bit. It gives you kind of its own vibe too, but dude, this has a shredding guitar, man. It's got this desert drifter vibe feel to it. It, What do you think? It's the way I looked at it was this felt like a heavy metal version of highway star. The way that this song starts out, and then just absolutely shreds with that chorus. And when I was reading the, um, the, the you know, like what he kind of says the song is about was that he picked up like a drifter and she's asking him like to find these lasers or whatever. Like, and it's like, okay, he's uh, now he's in a car. Cause he makes reference to a firebird. Yeah. He's like, I don't have a firebird, but how, I think it's a Dotson or something like that. Yeah. Anymore. But I hope uh, this Dotson will do. Exactly. I hope this Dotson will do. So he's not like in this fast car that we see in the movies. He's in, you know, just a generic commuter car. Mm-hmm. But no, this, again, 
first time listening to it, only listening to just the music of it, it just kind it's like very frenetic almost. It's just very fast paced. I love it. It's got a great hook into the chorus. It makes no sense till you dig into it because you're just like, yeah, Firebirds and all this. You know, it's like, okay, oh, fi- I heard a car reference. Okay, you're like, why car. am I singing about Firebirds and energy weapons? I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> this song his, just rips, man. <laughs> his, his voice, though, too, is the way he's able to put emphasis on certain things where he's like, energy weapons, just totally just catches your attention on the most random of the words in the song. And you're just like, I think that's the trick of, I'm going to tell you a story. How do I make you want to know about this story is I'm going to put these keywords almost, you know, it's going to be like x-ray vision and stuff in the first one. And now this one's going to be energy weapons. Like, what is he singing about? I need to dig in more. What's the next song going to be? I mean, where, where am I going on this journey? It's, Mm -hmm. it's insane. Well, on the journey, which Firebirds has a just banging solo, by the way. Oh, hundred percent. It rips. Loved it. And loved let me it. tell you, I've seen them play Firebirds live. I've seen them actually play a couple of songs off this album live. But he gets that solo, dude. It's just, it's awesome. It's a, it's so a, that's I, it. I just want to say, like, I can't say it enough how talented these guys are as musicians. But. Yeah. You said you want to know where the journey goes. Well, that brings us to track four, and it's called A Quick Death in Texas. And to me, I'm going to tell you what I think this song feels like. It feels like Clutch wrote ZZ Top a song, and then they felt ZZ Top felt it was too good, so they gave it back to Clutch to handle. I I mean, to me, that's just how it feels. It's like like he took it, because there's a line in it, he's like, please forgive me, Mr. Gibbons. And you know that's a direct reference to ZZ Top. It's a direct reference to Billy Gibbons. I literally wrote ZZ Top vibes. That's exactly what this song is. It is about Texas, you know, a quick death in Texas. It is literally, I ZZ Top could have released this and it probably would have been a that number riff. one hit. It, yeah. I Banner, mean, Banner, oh, Banner, 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 Banner. dude. They pay homage to the greats so well, but still make it their own. Mm-hmm. And because there's another one coming up later that I, I, oh, I every time I, I listen to it. Um, but yeah, this one, it, it, it's just, again, it's, this is like a stop along the way. He stops in Texas and, you know, tells a story about what happened in Texas. I love the story because it's almost like, I think of a movie of a guy that is drifting through town and he just sees this chick that he just happens to like, and he just starts talking to her and he finds out she's got this jealous husband and it gets, it it just leads into all this like comedy. Well, did you watch the music video to this song? I didn't watch any of the videos to this. I literally just lived in the album. All right, good. Now, Charlie, I have a homework assignment for you and you can tell me later um, just between me and you, but watch the music video to this. Okay. It is amazing and it is so good. Clutch have awesome music videos, by the way. I just want to put that out there. So if you just go to their YouTube channel, type in Clutch Band or whatever, yeah. um, and just um dude, that like just dig into their music videos. But a quick death in Texas is one of my favorites. Cause it's just got some kind of like western y vibes to the whole video, like and it's got a lot of 
comedy slapstick elements to that make the song funny. Mm-hmm. So like when I hear the song now, I think, oh, that's that part where they did this in the video. And it just kind of triggers that in my head because it's just because like they're showing me that part of the story, what they kind of envisioned. And I like that for this. I right. really enjoy this video. So listeners, check this out, this video. It's really cool. And then when you're there, stick around for their others. But have you noticed how Neil just sprinkles in pop culture references or obscure everyday blue collar things into his songs? Yeah, I was noticing that on this. Okay, so we got Firebirds earlier. Mm -hmm. So in this one, he says, but I love that. I love him. My Yankee manner, my nasty Yankee mannerisms didn't jive with the local traditions. How was I to know she had a jealous husband? That's the first three, three lines. And then he says he was the GM of a tractor supply. And then, and then I know it's just so random. And he's like, well acquainted with the guns and knives. Sometimes I swear I have less sense than a bag of hammers. Yep. Man. I mean, it's funny, but it's clever, funny. It's smart. And He gets, he mentions in here the Doom Saloon, which I, I want to come back to um, later because the Doom Saloon actually became part of Clutch Lexicon. Um, I think that's their studio now, or they've actually, during the pandemic, they released some stuff called Live from the Doom Saloon. And um, um, Doom Saloon, of course, is a track on this album. And there's, but anyway, um, he says, I crawled my way into the doom saloon in an attempt to cauterize my wounds, but there's just so many funny things in this. And, but my favorite verse, Charlie is the third one where he says the saloon doors stop swinging. The pa- the piano players stop playing. Now they kind of are breaking it down for the third verse. It feels a little bit different than the first two, which makes it a little bit funnier. Um, and he said in the shadows, I could hear archaic Spanish phrases. The preacher stood up from his table and in his right hand, he held a Bible and in his left, the business end of Winchester rifle. My man is just awesome. Just poetry. It is. The other thing I was finding when I was digging into the lyrics was, you get this sense of a fish out of water because he says he's a northerner and now he's in this basically like culture shock area of texas like he doesn't really quite understand the rules you know mm-hmm. of what he needs to do and Absolutely. now you're you're getting this like inner monologue of in his mind uh right. you know the quick death part in texas means uh just somebody just kill me now i am so far over uh, over my head just, just get me out of here. I, I'm done. Just, I, you know, just, just, just end it. The Laurel and Hardy part, though, the ending, is you know this ain't the only time in Texas he's done it because at the end they start singing city names in Texas, mm-hmm. and it makes you think that. Okay, well, let me just say he says Beaumont Armarillo got a line on me, so those two cities have, and then he goes. Galveston, El Paso, Nacogdoches, Abilene. And then he just repeats it. So there's yeah. like six cities that 
it's like, okay, he's traveling through Texas. So we know that he's this Yankee guy and he is out West traveling. And you get that from X-ray visions. Well, actually you get it from the affidavit track one, if you think about it and how this album is circular in that, in nature. And we'll get to that at the end, but, um, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about this song, like he's just giving you a little bit more as the story goes. Yep. And in this, you find out that he's a Yankee and you start finding these things out, you find out and he's fleshing this dude out for us. And here we are four songs in, and I know about the protagonist. I feel like we're entering act two. Yep. Absolutely. So what do you, what else you got to say about this song? I, again, it's just, I think you've got a little bit different look into it because you've seen the video, which sometimes does help a song when you can actually put a visual to what mm-hmm. the writer had in mind. Not every time. Sometimes videos have nothing to do with a song. It's just, you know, it works good on a video. But only listening to this, I got the fact that basically he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time and didn't know how to talk his way out of it for the most part in this one, but the music wise, again, I mean, it was just like, this is easy top. This feels like ZZ top. I dig it. I, it was, had a really good Westerny kind of vibe. We just had done Desperado on the other show. So I mm-hmm. kind of got that full vibe all the way through listening to this one, just feeling like you know, it was just, it could have been a, a bar in Mexico also, you know, Absolutely, it, it definitely could have worked either way. So I like a quick death in Texas. It's a good one. Well, after this, it goes, it, well, it, like I said, it does mention the Doom Saloon, and that is kind of important to the story. Um, but actually, like, it kind of became, like, part of clutch culture out of this album, which is also kind of neat in and of itself. <laughs> In a world that has been completely divided for so long, two movie fans have decided to unite for the people and the betterment of mankind. One, an action movie buff. The other, a horror movie fanatic. Together, they will try to bridge the gap of both genres into one podcast with their battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Listen along as Charlie and Nate alternate each week talking about action and horror movies they cherish, mostly from the VHS era. Also, including some modern examples that felt like the movies they grew up with by answering the battle cry. Give me back my action and horror movies. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram. The next song is called Sucker for the Witch. And this is track five. What do you think of the song? I literally wrote down catchy. Like there's just something catchy about the way he sings this song, the way it is musically. 
Um, as far as what I took from it the first time I listened to it, I went, this dude's got a type of woman. And he's try, kind of trying to be almost apologetic. He's like, I, I know there's a certain type of woman I'm attracted to, and it gets me in trouble, you know, because he makes the Catholic uh, church reference mm-hmm. you know basically he's like i'm a catholic guy but he's i also struggle man yeah exactly um but man this the again on a first listen through i'm still hooked like i'm still like man this the, these songs are just i could i could listen to them on repeat i mean i really could so far it's like I'll, so far into this album i haven't heard anything i was like meh and wanted to skip it you know what i mean like there's a lot of times in albums where you're just like i don't like that yeah one. i won't listen to it again right well, I kind of unpacked this one a little bit more. Okay. And I want to reference back to the Odyssey. Now, in the Odyssey, there's sirens. I think that this and the next song could be kind of like well, let me tell you what I feel like this song is about. And I feel like this is a unique tune. I, my notes say it's a unique tune of a youth who's questioning his religion based on how his body feels. It's a temptation song. Hmm. And the sirens in the Odyssey are just that. And that's yeah. how it appears to him. Because if you, the next song, and I don't want to jump ahead and talk about it, but I kind of think that it's a two-piece um in 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 theory these two songs kind of like in my mind a and b and i'll explain what i mean by that but then the next song is called your love is incarceration so almost like this dude's on this like psychic trip mentally spiritually emotionally he's hitting everything and this whatever part of the journey he's on it's tempting him with his type of woman. It's tempting him with who, like, it's bringing up those feelings of kind of like shame and guilt for liking something he feels like he shouldn't. And it's tempting and it's pulling him in. And and right. as, I, as I started, like, really unpacking the lyrics, that's what I pulled from. See, you got a whole different outlook on it because you're the one that brought up to me the odyssey had i had that in my brain listening to this it would have like that's that moment of my third eye would have opened almost you know that whole thing <laughs> you know you would have been like what and, and i was like like now i want to go back and listen to the whole thing again just because i have that in my brain right and now. thinking the odyssey but see if exactly. i had told you that ahead of time i would have shaped your own opinion of it and i don't want to do that because I, what if you say something to this? I've listened to this album for eight years now. What if you say something that is that gets me? Oh, absolutely. I don't think that I don't think you should have told me, but yeah. I'm also looking at it like you have this inner vision of what it is you're talking about. Again, you have more history with it than I do, and but you also have this, you know, type of insight to it where you're like Oh yeah. Now, if you take it onto this type of turn, you're like, and I'm just sitting here going, Whoa, I'm literally Bill and Ted over here. <laughs> you know, you're Rufus explaining to me what rock and roll <laughs> really is. And I'm learning something and I got to do an essay at the end of this. We're episode. going to rock and roll high school, brother. Let's get the Ramones and PJ souls and have us a good old time. That's it, um, man. Well, see, I will, I, I like the fact 
you didn't come to this knowing clutch because when we talk about our, what our next album that we're going to cover at the end of the show uh is going to be you know that's one of your familiar ones but it's a yeah. band we both know it's just an album that i'm not really familiar with so right. guys i encourage you um you know, to listen to the next episode um because you're going to see a different vibe uh between me and charlie uh but on this um this album like yeah i'm kind of unpacking it differently mm-hmm. and showing you kind of like how my brain is perceiving this after like eight years of this seeing some of this perform live seeing music videos seeing all this now we're sitting down talking about this around the eighth anniversary of the album and i mean i think this is a great place to start and when we a couple more tracks i'm going to explain exactly why um but this is a good song a sucker for the witch it's not one of my favorites on the album i do i don't skip it often just because i love the guitar in it it's just it's got one of just a good riff to it um and the chorus is good yeah i'm a sucker for the witch yeah i mean it's just even if you do, if you knew nothing else and you listen to the song, you'd be like, yep, that dude gets in trouble with a certain type of woman. And a lot of people can, you know, relate to that, which is great, especially on a, a song that can work on multiple levels. And that's something I'm realizing with Clutch. You know, we're digging in deep and finding something. But on the surface level, these are fun songs that most people can have some type of relation to. We've all most of us have been in a bar fight or some type of fight. Some of us have had run-ins with a a wild woman that we're always attracted to and we always get in trouble for it and you know just i love that aspect of sometimes you can also just keep it simple and it's a good song it really is so i like sucker for the witch well the next song is my least favorite song on the album and it's track six and it's your love is incarceration now i'm gonna say this a bad clutch song doesn't exist but a song that's not one of my favorites that they do does now it doesn't mean i dislike the song it just means like i've listened to it it doesn't hit me on levels that the other songs do um this one just feels kind of out of place with the other songs and it feels like it's just kind of repeating the same theme that the last one did and some of other better songs on the album now there's a deluxe edition of this album and we're not going to talk about those tracks because they're not on the actual release of the album. They were like the deluxe edition. They're B sides, but there's a song called mad sidewinder. If you take sucker for the witch out and throw mad sidewinder in its place, I think it's the perfect album, but that's just my opinion. I wasn't the one producing the album. I wasn't the one making that decision. Right. I think this and the other one would have been a, a good swap. I'm not I, saying it's a I, bad I did song. Listen, yeah, I did listen to the deluxe version. Um, so I know what Mad Sidewinder is. I also, that makes a lot more sense because listening to Mad Sidewinder just at the end of everything else, you're like, I got nothing. Like, it's a good song, but it's like, it feels disjointed. I understand now why. I, I truly understand why now. Um, I kind of wish I hadn't listened to the full deluxe um on a couple of my listenings because again you got that circular thing with the whole album you know from son of virginia to the beginning 
not that they're bad songs and i, I know we're not going to talk about them but i agree with you your love is incarceration it's also the one where they go a bit more funky they get some of that groove. exactly yeah it's got a little bit more bass in it and it's a not lot a bad bass. thing no but it's a tonal shift, I think, from it is. the rest of the album. And basically, I took from it controlling relationship. You got a girl that, you know, it makes you feel like you're locked up. You know, you can't do something. You know, you're locked down in life. But, yeah, too much of a tonal shift for me. I, I'm with you. This was probably one I would skip um, unless I was doing a full album listen, and then I would probably just, you know. I ain't got time to skip. I'm just going to listen to it all the way. Yeah, I mean that's how I am. It's not a it's not a bad song, and I don't want to put that out there because I think it no, is no, a good song. Bad. I feel like in context of the album, if you take it out, you're not missing much. No, as far as continuing, because I feel like it's a transition song to track uh, seven, which is actually Doom Saloon, which is an instrumental. Um, and actually I want to talk about that because I think it's a cool little break. I think this is the end of act two and it gives you like this breath or this slight intermission. And, and, and I love how it bleeds into the next song, but it's just so kind of mellow and it's there in the middle of the album and it gives you this kind of, uh, for just a second. Oh yeah, but, this is not but, long. This is only like a minute too. So yeah, if, you're right. If that, but if they would have had, and there's no talking, and I like that because it gives you a second to think about the story that you've just heard. So it kind of gives you a second to digest that and listen to the background noise because I don't know if you hear that. You'll hear clinking glasses and stuff in the background in the affidavit in track one. You do too. There's background noises. There's footsteps. There's creeks, there's all kinds of things. So if you're if you close your eyes, please not while driving and listening to it. But <laughs> if you do, like you can just kind of feel yourself pulled in. So then Doom Saloon comes in at the middle, and I feel like it gives you a a plateau to kind of just take a couple of steps, think about what you just heard, and be like, what's coming next? I right. just wish that in and I know they had to kind of have a, a like. I'll just say the first five songs of this album are perfect. It's a perfect five songs, and then you get to Your Love is Incarceration. I think that it should have just went from Sucker for the Witch into Doom Saloon mm -hmm. or thrown Mad Sidewinder in there. Because if you throw Mad Sidewinder in there, it kind of gives you a lot more like franticness before, before the calm. Doom Saloon, which yeah. – which, if you think in terms of storytelling would work too. So that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. I still love the album. I still love the song. Um, that's just and my two cents. The other thing about it is the first time I listened to it. So I'm not like when I, when I turn this on and I throw it in my headphones and I'm, I'm, I'm jamming, I'm not really looking at the track or what number I'm on or even the titles, you know, I'm, I'm listening to it. So mm -hmm. doom saloon does roll right into the next track. And if you don't go back and look, you think it's just a extended intro to the next song until you go, okay, this is actually a separate, fully separate track. Um, yes. And if, if you've got it on shuffle, you know, just how distinct it is. Yeah. If it's it, not, if it just cuts or 
the next song, which is track eight, Our Lady of Electric Light, how it just starts. It, it just, I mean, it's fluid. It, there is mm-hmm. no pause. The music just goes through. You know, it's very like Van Halen eruption, you know, where they start out with the guitar solo. And if you just mm-hmm. keep listening all the way, that's why I hate hearing that on like serious radio or something. Cause you're like, yeah, getting ready to start the song. And no, now we're listening to a totally different band. And you're and like, you no, I, I need the whole, both mm-hmm. tracks. You need Another the envisioned thing, piece because you know what it is now. Exactly. And when it's broke up, it feels disjointed. And with this, you know, still on Doom Saloon, the only thing I put in there was there's a point like right about two thirds of the way through, it almost touches a little bit of Metallica Orion, just a little bit. There's a little bit where a they kind of bendy, little bend of the strings. Yeah, I know. Wow. I was like, oh, oh, that's a little because, you know, Orion is Metallica's instrumental. You know, yeah. Stephen and I are both Metallica heads. But I was, I, I heard that and I just, that, that warm, fuzzy feeling from that. You're just like, oh, oh man, that sounds so good. And then rolls right into the next track, which is Our Lady of Electric Light. Which... So what do you think of this song? Because this is, at this point, like if you're just sitting down, like this is totally different than what you've heard previously, mm-hmm. which is a lot of funk, a lot of bluesy rock and roll some metal influence a lot of western heavy heavy riffs and some yeah then this song it feels honestly it feels like where orion pops up in metallica It, it it's that moment of like whoa i didn't know i needed to calm down for a moment i didn't know i needed to catch my breath because i've listened to some albums that are like all the way through fast paced you're Mm -hmm. just like holy shit what was that this one yeah. allows you to go let's slow down let's you know that 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 moment was like all right let's bring the room down all right everybody let's just kind of let's kind of vibe here a little bit i literally wrote vibe like vibing down as part of just something i felt of this track and it's but, weird this is the shortest track but it's also the deepest track i think it's, know, as far as feel oh my well i think the last song is the deepest but the deepest um, as far as the context, but as far mm-hmm. as your emotional state. Oh, man, the song you, pulls you in. And do you yes. know why? Because you're in the Doom Saloon. And then they go into this, and you're still in the Doom Saloon. And in the story, you're in the Doom Saloon. And in walks the Lady of Electric Light. And he says, they close the curtain to hide from the dawn. The rock, uh, a last fire, burns on and on. Um, have no fear the dark of night. She walks before us, our lady of electric light. She enters the bar room and lifts her veil with a voice like running water. She tells them her tale. So again, you can hearken back to the siren. They're, they're on ship or, or, or in the odyssey I'm talking about. You're there at a port, whatever in walks, but in the Western vibe, they're in the dune saloon. Yes. And this chick walks in. And electric light. It makes me think she's like an electric eel almost. I I took it as almost like she was the performer and the lights are on her. Right. As she's she's in there because, you know, the way they talk about her voice, I kind of pictured her as a singer almost. Uh, I definitely picked up on the tiny plastic sabers piled high to my knees. I'm like, yeah, that just paints a picture of you just being in this dirty, seedy bar almost you know very 
dark because you know they said they pull the curtain from the light mm-hmm. it's, but there's something about this song the very first time i heard it i went this is like a very heavily influenced like skinnered song but jim morrison is singing the lyrics oh of wow song. you know Dude. see that's the thing like you know i brought to you the odyssey Were you saying that here's what i wrote in my notes about it i said this song is so beautiful and haunting and it feels like it drips with emotional storytelling. And it's also, I didn't get that vibe of Skinner and, and Morrison. They have two other songs from an earlier album. And one song is called ghost. Mm-hmm. And the other song is called the regulator. And they feel like this haunting, ominous, just kind of you sent they, me the regulator that's the song you first told me about was regulator because that's super familiar i feel like that oh yeah it's, one. it's a slow ballady kind of yes. well let me tell you man this feels like a spiritual sequel or successor to that and i love this song i think it's oh. beautiful but if i'm in a metal mood I can't hear it, man. Like, not that I think the song's bad, but like, if I if it comes on like a random playlist and you got like Megadeth and then you got like Pantera and then like I don't want it to drop in this song. No, you know I'm what like I mean. It, like, it, I want it's, this it's, song uh, to be dropped in a, a different playlist. Yeah, um, but I'll this one it. following in, you know, Doom Saloon rolling into this one is perfection. You know, this again, you have to listen to both tracks at the same time, but I. Listen to it again, and a lot the a lot of the Skinner is more of the music composition to it, the way they play it a bit. But mm-hmm. his vocals picture Jim Morrison instead of him, mm-hmm. like no shirt, singing, you know, just like with the doors. And I can hear I, it now. Man. I mean, seriously, it it, you're just like, holy crap! And the Skinner isn't like the country rock version of Skinner. I'm talking like there's just something to to my ears where I'm like. Man, it's got some influence of some just really good dark well, skin. Well, and do you know what that is? Because Skinnerd, they took country and blues and rock. So all that you're doing here is mm-hmm. taking the country out of it, really. Right. And yeah, you're yeah, left with no the blues and the but there kinda is the way that he's singing it a little bit. He's singing it kind of like and you you made me think of this. He sings that song like Jim Morrison, but he also kind of sings it like one of those old, you know, country troubadours. And Johnny Cash, kind of that throaty. I was gonna say I could picture a Cash kind of cover of this. You know what I mean? You know, just mm-hmm. the way he was able. You know, can can just kind of. I mean, we all know he's he's sung. You know, um, my brain just left. It's nine inch nails that he covered that he oh yeah 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 um, we all we all know that he signed hurt. hurt from nine inch nails we also and, you know, covered uh rusty cage by Soundgarden. right so you know he's capable of that so to be like johnny cash song our lady of electric light i would be like absolutely and i want to hear that you know oh, what i mean man, we yeah. should plug that into an ai somebody if you're listening to that make that happen for us because i'm too old and don't know how to do it <laughs> Charlie doesn't know how to do it either. I don't, I don't do, I don't, I don't do computer stuff. So, so <laughs> if it's graphical, I might be able to do it. If it's, if it's, if it's text, I can do it. But li- listen, we want to hear Johnny Cash singing this song. So y'all make it happen. Absolutely. Um, 
but that song goes into Noble Savage, and Noble Savage is the song. That is the song that is track nine. That is the song that sums up the show. And he says, unapologetic lifer for rock and roll. That's the theme, man. That's the attitude of this show. It's a, this, that song is a, it's a killer song with killer riffs. They're hitting full throttle for rock and roll. They ripped this song up live on stage so much that I took a video of it at a concert and then I posted it online and tagged them in it. And then they shared it with more tour dates. Um, which was freaking awesome. Yeah. No, this, this one... song is a banger and the solo is epic. I literally wrote rock and roll is life. That's my note for this song. Like that, <laughs> that's it. I mean, I'm listening to this going, this is like almost like their anthem. If they had an anthem song, you know, this one right here just is the epitome of rock and roll. And I, I dug it. Like this is, this is another one where you just, when this pops on, you're like, Yes. If we ever get Neil Fallon or Clutch or any of them to come on the show, because we, you know, we do intend to have musicians and stuff and uh, on the show uh, from time to time. So if we ever get somebody um, that knows Neil or can get Neil and 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 the rest of the guys from Clutch on here, like I want this song to be the theme, the official theme song of this freaking show. It would be perfect. so that is it, man. That is, this is it. This is the song that made me choose this album to kick this show off with this song right here. And let me give you a couple of lines from it. Unapologetic lifer for rock and roll right there. That's it. 10 words or less. Can you describe yourself, your religion, your politics, your general health? Did you not take into account? I'm a noble savage, unapologetic lifer for rock and roll, a noble savage, my brother. That That's is it. what this show is about. That is the the attitude, rock and roll, noble savage. Hundred percent. Yeah. I listening to that song, I went, "Well, oh, that's definitely one of the reasons he picked this album." Uh, just it's it's a love it's a love letter to rock and roll. It's just telling people what it's like when someone goes, "Why do you love rock and roll?" You just read them this lyrics. I mean, it's it's pretty much it, man. Rock and roll is life. Same with heavy metal. Heavy metal is life, man. You know, it runs through my blood veins. It's amazing. So this song, probably one of your favorites off the album. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, I have like two that I were like, like we've already talked about, like going, yeah, these aren't my favorite. Most of the other ones, I'm just like, yeah, I could listen to these all the time. But Noble Savage is just one of those like high energy, just like I said, it's like an anthem song almost for them. And I love it. I dig it. Well, Noble Savage goes in and they shift to um, Behold the Colossus, which is track 10. Um, I'm sorry, I was pulling the um, the lyrics up. What do you think of the song? Because I know this was something that you were referencing earlier. Yes, this was the song when I said, when you said the Odyssey, there is one track on this song, on this album, that I was like, well, now it makes sense, because this is literally a song about Greek monsters and mythology. Like, straight up, it's a great song, but But, you're also sitting there going, why? 
is this song here. Well, what do you think? Now that I know it's part of the Odyssey, you got to have, you know, a Colossus, the giants, you know, all of the, the, the trials and tribulations you faced on your journey. Like now it makes sense to me before Mm -hmm. I literally, my note literally was song about Greek, Greek mythology. That was my note. Um, That's as close as I got to nailing the Odyssey thing on here was I literally wrote Greek mythology down. Well, did you look at the lyrics or really digest the lyrics of this one? I did not. That was one of the ones that, unfortunately, I think I probably took it a little bit more surface level at the time. Uh Or, you know, sometimes someone's like, I just, I want to sing a song about Greek monsters. And that's what they do. You know, especially when, once you start getting into my flavor of music, you know, it's like, I'm going to sing about some kind of insane thing that may never that will never happen but i'm going to make a song about it that's where my mind went with this one was like okay he wants to sing about greek gods go for it man this is well this is awesome this song there's a lot going on here and if you look at it like the odyssey yeah there's um you know atop the buttress the gargoyle sits you know you that's you got the the mythology and stuff painting the picture but he says something, man. He says, um, I'm looking for it here. It's just in front of me. He says, grant them their tales of their forefathers glory for soon. It will be ours again. That I feel like that line ties. And sorry, it took me a second to find it. Um, I'm old and I'm trying to see through my bifocals. Um, that feels like it ties into Son of Virginia. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the rest of it feels like it's almost like a culmination of like in the journey, like, and I'm trying to paint this in a picture of like, okay, you've got Lord of the Rings or something. You got that final battle, something's coming up. And then you've got on top of that, it's playing in the underlying theme of the story. It's progressing. Like it's taken away all the sides, side quests, whatever. And it's come down to this because it says, um, we are the monsters and they are, but men behold, the Colossus rises again. And then he says, this world was ours before, it had ever known men. So almost like he's bringing the supernatural element into it at this point, mm-hmm. like be- be- before, but it's almost like, okay, is this whole thing a bad trip? And now is this guy like getting arrested? You know, like what's yeah. going on? Like there's some, a lot of turmoil, but it's painted and masked by this, like you said, this mythology. And that line though about grant them their tales of their forefathers glory we'll get to that in a second but that line sticks out as kind of like one of the notes that's hit in Mm. a story it's like oh that's something that's something that's something deep that they're giving us you know what i mean so yeah i mean it's it's really difficult to get inside Neil's mind 
in this album sometimes to really know where he was in the songwriting process because honestly looking at it as an outsider looking in you're just kind of like holy crap what is what is going through this guy's mind like on a day-to-day you know type you know every an everyday type thing to to be able to write songs like this now i've said it on my other show i'll set the bar here in case no one's ever listened to my other show i've never done drugs ever in my life and i don't ever plan (laughs) on it so i don't have a reference point for someone that's maybe on a trip you know chemically Mm -hmm. or you know what a perception of reality is that as that goes and i just i wanted to be upfront about that because i'm sure a lot of people you know a lot of people can watch pink floyd's the wall and totally understand what's going on i've seen it i enjoy it but i'm also like i don't understand it but it's cool as shit and i love watching it but i don't have that front well some things are made reference some things are made specifically for like that type of mentality going into something it's made oh yeah 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 frame of mind i think clutch transcends that man i think it's meant for you to digest on a cerebral level like i agree i I, I, i've heard interviews with neil fallon and he is such an intelligent articulate man it's like you don't see him being one of those guys that's like completely consumed by drugs and everything, you think that no. he would be one of those kind of almost, I won't say straight edge, but one of those guys that's like his intelligence, like he's got his, his he's control of his stuff faculties. under control. Yeah, yeah. But he is just so well read. And that's so not where smart. I was getting at. All I was saying yeah. is just sometimes I don't have like one of the descriptions when I was looking up clutch was stoner rock. And I was like, I don't know if I truly get the stoner rock, but they literally talk about like psychedelic trips in this, you know, album. You know, it literally starts out like that. So there, there are stoner rock. I'm glad you mentioned it because we'll we'll hit we'll hit that note real quick. Stoner rock kind of came out of the desert rock of the '90s which was kind of an offshoot of grunge. So like mm-hmm. you had like bands and I would honestly put Soundgarden a little bit into the stoner rock, but a band that comes to mind is Caius and Caius mm-hmm. eventually became Queens of the stone age. And, you know, there's a lot of desert, um, desert stuff like a, a like desert rock. You got the mm-hmm. desert kind of, and that's what this album kind of feels like, but clutch is considered stoner rock, but only because of like their first couple of albums were a lot more harder, but you can, you go back and you you hear this and you go back and listen to their first album and you're just like, okay, well that thing's pretty hard rock and I get the stoner rock element to it. Now I still hear the blue stuff. So I don't really think that they're stoner rock. I think that's just what somebody just kind of threw them into. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't always stick to labels. You're allowed to break out of a label that you know someone puts on you early on in your career. There's no problem with that. But it was just there. There's elements though that I have picked up in reading some of the lyrics and just the kind of general vibe of some of the songs, where it's like, okay, I can get where if someone didn't know how to describe it, they would be like, okay, this sounds like what I've been told is what stoner rock is. And there, there's parts of it that could be conceived of that me i look at it as they're literally paying homage as we said to the greats 
you know, this is just their way of just make putting their own stamp on, you know, Skinner and Morrison and, you know, ZZ Top and, you know, a lot of, you know, the Who and stuff like that. You know, they really just kind of wanted to take their influences and make it their own. So not trying to derail what we're talking about with the album or anything, but it was just like there's moments in this where I went, man, I have no frame of reference for some of this stuff. You know, it's like, you know, somebody imbibes a little bit of some marijuana or something like that. Cool. It's fine. You know, if that's what Neil does and it gets the writing juices going, you go for it, brother. I got no problem with it, but just, I don't understand the frame of mind at times of how it, how it helps. Well, I'll get off my soapbox now. It's fine. (laughs) I think, I think, you know, he's very well read. Um, and oh, 100%, I think hundred percent it comes, um, it comes across in that stoner rock fashion. Um, yeah. you know, um, but I think behold the Colossus is one of those songs that kind of, you listen to it, you understand it. Then you listen to it again and you're like, maybe I was wrong. I don't understand it. And then you hear mm-hmm. it again and then you feel differently. And then like, I mean, I love the song. I still like, and here's the thing about it. <clears throat> I really liked it at first. And I think the lyrics pulled me in. I started analyzing stuff. And then I started listening to a lot of the other songs and they started hitting me differently and they felt better. So this oh, one just kind of, not that this was a bad song. I just felt like, it just, it was one of my favorites when I first heard the album, and then it just kind of went down the list as it went. Well, it, it's, it's a, again, it's a song that when you're listening to it without looking into it, it's a, it's a catchy song. It grabs you. There's a point where he's like, we are the Gorgon. And, you know, he's just, you know, it just, you, oh, yeah. you're like, did he say Gorgon? What are we yeah. talking about here? And then you're all, mm-hmm. then you're like, I know the first time I listened to it, I went, oh, we're talking about Greek, like creatures. So yeah, I was, you think back to like Clash of the Titans. Oh, dude, I had I had Harryhausen in the back mm-hmm. of my mind. Yeah, of all the stuff you picture. see on the, exactly, man. So that was just you know on a surface level of listening to that song. Again, no inclination of the Odyssey whatsoever. So again, don't think I'm not going to go back and listen to this album all the way through a couple more times with the Odyssey in my brain now. Well, I want to talk to you again after that. Yeah. So we'll just need to like, we can privately talk about it later. Just after you do it, be like, Hey, and then just tell me your thoughts exactly. later. But, exactly. uh, yeah. So that song goes into the, I guess the penultimate track, which is the De- decapitation blues. And it's track 11 of 12. Um, did I say this thing had 11 or 12 when we started? Because I don't even think you said how many. I don't oh, I know. There's well, 12. I'm, I might have said 11. I don't know if I did or didn't, but um, the re- I have something misnumbered here, and that's why I said that. That's okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it does. Um, this is my sa- decapitation blues. You'd think, like, it would be a really cool song to me, like, you know, but mm-hmm. and I do like the song. I'm not saying that, but it's, like, kind of my second least favorite song in the album, and, and I'm not really saying it's a bad song, but it, it just – doesn't hit me like the others and i just might skip it might not just depends on my mood i like how we're pretty much on the same way like like it's it's a good song 
as far as a song goes, decapitation blues. But when I wrote down my notes, I literally wrote down no clue. Like I have no, I don't know yeah. why it fits into the, the album. <sighs> I don't understand what it's really about. It, it does fit into the album. It's open to interpretation, but I, it's just weird that yeah. it just kind of hits me different depending on like, like you, if I'm listening to the album and I'm like focused on the album, it stays. If it pops up in a playlist rotation, it may or may not get skipped. I don't know. Um, but when we were first talking about this show, um, I was driving back from Knoxville. I was seeing my girlfriend. I was driving back and you and I had been talking about it for a couple of days. And I said, well, I have my first album already, mm -hmm. dude. I know where we got to start. And you're like, really? And I told you we got to, yeah. Like I pretty much said it immediately. And you're just like, what? Wow. Okay. I, I said, I will tell you while we are making the show, you will find out. And you did. It was pretty much noble savage, but I was listening to this coming back and I was so pumped up and everything. And it hit your love is incarceration and I went skip. And then <laughs> it got to this song and I was like, skip. And not that I just, I dislike them. I, I like the songs, mm -hmm. but I just skipped them then. Now, as I've went back and listened to it several times for the show, I've listened to them. You know, there's some odd lyrics in this ha here you've been kicked in the neck by three-legged mule um uh, it's almost nonsensical it, on the on the surface whenever you're yeah it's the almost like i picture like this guy standing trial and he's just spitting out whatever's coming out like it's stream of conscious like nonsense yeah. babble no I'm, I'm with you this is this or, is my my one that I had the most trouble making a note for. I have a different thought. All right, what's your thought? At the end of Behold the Colossus, the protagonist of the story dies, and Decapitation Blues is the last few moments. Oh. Before he dies... Yeah, because when you go to Son of Virginia, we'll get into that in just a second because the last song is a really, really important song on the album. But what if this song is a bunch of nonsensical stuff as the brain is dying, the head's laying there, severed from the body, whatever? I haven't looked into Neil's writing of this song. I don't know the meaning. I'm just speaking based on interviews I've heard in the past. My. Yeah digging into the lyrics on my own me feeling like it's a, a, a interpretation of the odyssey if you think of it that way the song hits different okay i mean that i mean that gives me something to think about the next time i listen to it i hadn't really considered that because he does get decapitated at the end of you know the colossus behold the colossus it's if you keep along with his storytelling way he's doing it mm -hmm. it would be like the last one because they say you know like your your brain is still active for mm -hmm. x amount of minutes after a decapitation so it's an interesting theory I, mm -hmm. I would really be curious on that like seriously because right now i'm with you it's one that i would probably skip if i was just jamming to this and not 
deciphering it or, you know, like really getting critical with it. If I was just jamming, yeah, skip it. You know, because all honestly, I would love for it to go from Behold the Colossus right into Son of Virginia, you know, as far as just well, listening wise. Well, now that I've thrown that out there, let's just hit the last track, Son of Virginia. What what do you think? I, um, I need to know what you think of this song before I kind of break down and end my parallel to the Odyssey sure. journey. So. so I was grabbed hard at the beginning of this album with x-ray visions and stuff like that. But my favorite song of the entire album, the first few times I listened to it was son of Virginia. <laughs> um, it still might be my favorite song. Now the other ones are great. Just metal, you know, just this blend of rock and everything. And I love them as far as songs. My favorite song is son of Virginia. Like, I dig this one so much. I want to, I want, I may not know exactly what I'm talking about on this. I only know it from the surface. My, here's my notes. One of my favorite tracks, generational pain and trauma, proof of lineage. That's the notes I wrote down as far as son of Virginia. It also yep. helps that I'm also a son of Virginia. Um, but now circle that back to behold the Colossus about your, your, what I said. Yeah. The, um, let me go back to it where the he says grant them and... their tales of their forefathers glory so in this song he says um, recite our lineage and genealogy you gotta know your history son of Virginia stare into the embers on the 1st of November um, and remember you were born a true son of Virginia now there's a lot going on in this song there is Lyrically, there's there's so much to unpack. I'm not even going to cover it, but you could do a whole episode on this one song. I know that. Like, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think this is the ending of the Odyssey. It, this person is dead, mm -hmm. or thinks they're dead. Because again, the album is called Psychic Warfare. So right. here we are at the beginning. He says, here's a pen and pad. I want you to tell me as best as you can the story and start at the beginning. Right. So the first lyrics that you hear is him about hitting a seedy motel and buying a pack of cigarettes. It's all anxious and it's nervous. And then you get to this song. And this song is so beautiful. Yeah. This song is not the rock and roll song you would think, but it is the perfect rock oh and roll God. song for this show and this album, dude. The yeah. way this song ends the album. If you were to listen to this song separately, it's not going to have the same feel. No. But it's still an amazing song. That's what I'm saying. On my first listen through where I'm not digging into the album on a whole, I'm just listening to each track. This one jumped out at me more than X-Ray Visions and Firebirds and all that. Like, like I said, those grabbed me. But when I heard Son of Virginia, I was just like, this is beautiful songwriting and storytelling in one, one song. 
I was not looking at an entire album of storytelling. I was looking at one song and it just got like this one. I've listened to the whole album several times. I've listened to this song probably 20 times. Like seriously, I have just went in and went, I want to listen to son of Virginia right now. And I will listen to that. And it is quite possibly my favorite song of the entire album period. You know, this is, this would be it. Well, my at the end well let me back up for a second at the end of the song after the song fades out Mm -hmm. there's nothing but silence for like a good minute oh yeah then neil fallon comes back in as that tommy lee jones inspired character Mm -hmm. and he says well i think that's about it you know and it's like he gets up walks away whatever yeah gathers his notes like yeah, he, so you know that whoever is telling you this lives, the protagonist lives through the story to tell the story. So it makes you think that it was like this fear and loathing trip, or if you listen to the first song and go back, he thinks he was experimented on by the government. And the whole time, even through quick death and taxes, there's these CIA ops sprinkled Little nods are not even CIA or whatever, but, you know, some sort of psyop government thing sprinkled throughout the entire album. Uh, yeah, I get that. And I'm looking up something just to make sure I was looking at the right thing. So I know we're not talking about the bonus tracks, but exactly what you said lends itself to the one that's called uh, Outland Special clearance where he's literally talking about conspiracy theories and alex Mm -hmm. jones Mm -hmm. and all this stuff you saying that right there now makes that song make a lot Mm -hmm. more sense where i'm like okay i get it because again i was listening to the deluxe a few times and i was just going what is he talking about now like i they're, they're just come to a point i'm glad their bonus tracks are not really in the album but i was just like what the hell is he on? But you saying that right there, just light bulb moment. Boom. There it is. There's a, there, you could take the, you could actually take this entire album away from the odyssey aspect of it and go right into conspiracy theory, chemical, you know, experimentation well, and stuff like that. Well, yeah, it's the, it's the odyssey, which is a story that's been told a thousand times and it's masked. Yeah. With all this thing, with all this mythology and stuff. But yes, it's like one, it reminds me of one of those 60s PsyOps movies. And mm-hmm. if you go and watch the video to X-Ray Visions, you'll completely understand exactly what I mean. You'll understand how the album should go. And I'm not saying you need the video or anything, right? but the video, if you like the album, it helps you unpack the meaning of stuff and it further helps solidify that story in your brain. Um, Absolutely. So, all right, Charlie, let's, before we rate this thing, we got a rating system here. We want to call the stack of dimes rating, and we're giving this rating tribute to the one, the only Dimebag Daryl. So let me hit it, and then we'll rate it. All right, Charlie. We're going to 
going to do this out of 10. So we're, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. I want you to tell me what you thought of this album. Everything like a summer, summarize the whole experience for me. Tell me what you thought of the album, then rate it out of 10 and uh, 10 Dimebag Daryl's. So peace. Absolutely. RIP Dime. Um, Overall, is this is this is wild. Not every album we pick is going to be like this. I can tell you that right now. This is this is a deep one. This is a heavy one. I'm digging it. Um, my first listen through is how I'll base this off of. First listen through. This is a fun album. There's a lot of energy. Um, it's got high re-listenability. If you don't dig into it either, you can just that's a that's a banging song, and I want to listen to it more. That was a really good hook. I love that one digging into it as an entire album my god there's so much to unpack we scratched the surface as far as i'm concerned (laughs) like i would love to sit down with neil and you know all of us just get some whiskey and some cigars and a fire and talk about this album that's what i would love to do about this so honestly this whole new perspective on it has upped it in my rating um, originally I was, I was right around a seven. It's fun. It was a good one. Um, this Odyssey angle has now put it closer to like an 8.5. Oh, wow. Like it really elevated it that because it allowed the concepts to click with me and, and I'm no longer just looking at it as it's a fun song, musically fun song. Okay, that one's not okay. I don't get you know, what what is like literally getting to a song going. I have no idea what's going on, but uh, there's music to it. Now it's like this switch has been flipped, and I'm like, oh shit, oh wow, that just totally changed the entire take on that song. So yeah, I'm giving this eight and a half dimes, man. This is uh wow, this is up there. This is probably right I'm, out of the uh, gate from an album charlie's never listened to steven picked a banger with an 8.5 rating i'm probably gonna buy it i mean honestly that that's usually a good a good good scale i don't even have a turntable and i'd buy it on vinyl i mean seriously wow i i I am i am a purveyor of physical media i'm a supporter of physical media guess what they can take digital shit away from you you know they've proved that time and time again if you just rely on your digital copies so if you really, really, really like something, get a hard copy. Get a hard copy. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. My goal by the end of this, I do have a turntable, uh, is to uh, get Charlie to purchase a turntable and start a vinyl collection based off of this show. I think it should happen. Um, tell us what you think. Uh, let yeah, us know on social media. Feedback. Um, so Stephen, so- you you brought this to us. This is your first pick for the show, the inaugural episode. Um, so what, give us a an actual number rating. How many dimes do you give Clutch Psychic Warfare? All right. Well, listen, brother, I love this album from beginning to end. I highly recommend this album. I highly recommend anyone picking this thing up um and dig into the bonus um give your interpretations uh, you know let us know what you think of the album what you think it means to you but me this album right out of the gate is a solid nine five 
9.5. That is it. I have pretty much no complaints with this. I love every track on it. Um, I think every track tells a story. The only two tracks, like I said, um, are Decapitation Blues and uh, Your Love is Incarceration. Those are the only two like I would really skip. Um, but in my opinion, there's no such thing as a bad clutch song. Mm -hmm. So that is it, my friends. That is the rating. So you have a 9.5 from me and an 8.5 from Charlie. So question to you, Charlie, would you see clutch in concerts? hundred percent. Absolutely. Awesome. You're going to start digging into their stuff now. I, I think bit. I am. I now, well, now that the algorithm knows I like listening to it, it'll start popping <laughs> up more. You know, that pesky algorithm. It's like, yeah, oh, you I like do, this man. song, you know, so. All right, Charlie. Well, that music tells us it is time to go, my friend. So I want to thank you so much for allowing us to get together, throw a new show on your podcast network, kick it off with a banger of an album so this is all you where can people hear you if they are just hearing you for the first time well if everybody if you enjoyed this you can always find us over on all of our social media sites we are give me back my rock and roll we have a facebook group called give me back my rock and roll we are also on instagram that's where a lot of the interaction comes from with a lot of the other podcasts that we're involved with a lot of the network shows that we also have give me back my action and horror movies where we have a podcast that releases every week we have action and horror alternating and you can check us out over there uh same with all the social medias we are on facebook instagram x for now till they make me pay for that shit and then i'm not gonna pay for it and i won't be on there uh we're also on threads uh, you'll probably be able to catch us on youtube for as far as downloads for the episode um and coming very soon we should have the website up and running we are currently working on that so we'll Heck finally yeah. finally have a hub for all the shows that it's are a involved nexus. In the network. A it's nexus, a nexus my friend a listen nexus i'm gonna i'm gonna fade us out of here with a quote we're gonna do this every show ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna end our first show with a legend the one and only Freddie Mercury. And I want to leave you with the words that he said. He said, I will not be a rock star. I will be a legend. With that, rock and roll, live on. Hey, Charlie. What's up, bud? Man, something is really bothering me. I I can't get over how cruel people are. Cruel? What What do you mean cruel? Well, so I got this truck recently, right? And yeah, you know, I I'm friends with a lot of people, and I try to do things for people. And I happen to leave some tickets to a concert uh, for somebody in the passenger seat. And somebody smashed my window. They smashed your window? What to get the tickets? No. What? Oh, no, they didn't take the tickets. No, I, they didn't I, take I, the tickets. 
did did they take anything? No. Oh, so they just broke it for fun. No, they were Nickelback tickets, and they left two more. Bro, 